Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Starting this week, we're launching a new show on the Ringer Dish feed, recapping the return of Survivor for its special 40th season. This season features 20 previous winners of Survivor competing for $2 million, the largest cash prize in reality TV show history. Riley McAtee and a rotating guest from the Ringer staff will recap every Thursday. So make sure you subscribe to the Ringer Dish feed for shows like Jam Session, Tea Time, and the new Survivor Recap Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, we still have to talk about Megan and Harry's Megxit. I think that you and I are both really fatigued by this, but we are also dedicated yes, we are. Uh, to our podcast and to knowing things. We sure are. And We're, judging people. <laughs> of course that. That's one of our top priorities. We will discuss it. We are also going to hit Gigi Hadid versus Jake Paul. I have a lot of questions about I this. love. I love it. Okay. I feel like Gigi Hadid's like in my life as a result of her short dalliance with Tyler Cameron. So this is great. I love Gigi, but we'll get to it. Joe Alwyn had a birthday. He did. We'll discuss that. Ben Affleck. Sad Ben Affleck is back. We'll also discuss him. Contemplative Ben Affleck. Contemplative. Sure. Who knows? We'll, we'll dive into it. Um, and we'll also briefly talk about the Kobe Bryant Memorial, which is happening today. But we will begin by talking about the Royals, Megan and Harry. So um, Friday night, I think it was, perhaps it was Saturday morning, UK time. There was an update to SussexRoyal.com, Megan and <laughs> Harry's yeah, yeah. website, as it is known for now. And it came out that they are no longer allowed to use the term royal in essentially marketing themselves because they are, as they've noted, they are retaining their formal titles of His Royal Highness and Her Royal Highness, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. But the this, I'll just read from their website. As agreed and set out in January 2020, per the agreement, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex understand they are required to step back from royal duties. And as a result, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex will retain their HRH prefix, thereby formally remaining known as His Royal Highness the Duke of Sussex and Her Royal Highness the Duchess of Sussex. However, that's my however, the Duke and the Duchess of Sussex no longer actively use their HRH titles as they were no longer they will no longer be working members of the family as of spring 2020. Um, and then it specifies Harry remains sixth in line for now, blah, blah, blah. There's so many details on sussexroyal.com slash spring hyphen 2020 hyphen transition slash. Right. Like, there, this is the definition of getting in the weeds. It's sort of like Harry and Megan are be like, we're going to spell it all out for you in that and you being both our family and the public. So everyone's on the same page. It's almost like they're using this website as like a like a like a fencing stick. Yeah. I think those are called epes per the crossword puzzles that you may I have to say, I don't understand the strategy. I find it tremendously passive aggressive. I'd just like to read from the intro paragraph to this update. We had hoped to be allowed to share these details with you sooner, in parenthesis, to mitigate any confusion and subsequent misreporting. But the facts below should help provide some clarification around this transition and the steps for the future. I mean, I just... 
I don't understand getting as far into the weeds as they are. And I think the other thing from this announcement that is, is so long that we need to read. It's over 1,000 words. We're not reading all yeah, of it. But I want I do want to read, while there is not any jurisdiction by the monarchy or cabinet office over the use of the word royal overseas, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex do not intend to use Sussex royal or any iteration of the word royal in any territory, either within the UK or otherwise, when the transition occurs in spring 2020. So... <laughs> They can't be Sussex Royal anymore, which we'll, like, talk about some more because there's been a little firestorm over it. But even in in this admission, which is them taking the L, like, they are saying, you know, they're going out of their way to point out that they don't think, like, the legal ruling actually applies to them or something. Just, like, what are we doing? This is a bad strategy. Really bad. Take the loss and reposition it as a choice that you've made and are excited about. Because everyone else is happy to go on this journey with you of you making your new life and you seeking out the values that are most important to you and you making, like, millions of dollars speaking to bankers and it being an expression of humanity and love. Like, why are you why are you being petty? Because then you're just admitting that you you didn't get what you wanted. Yeah. And I, it, this is just all I, I just don't under whoever is advising them PR wise is not doing a great job. I I completely agree. And also they share these bits of information, but then I don't know what they mean. Like they also added the Duke and Duchess of Sussex do not plan to start a quote foundation, but rather intend to develop a new way to affect change and complement the efforts made by so many excellent foundations globally. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? Like, you're not doing charity? Is that what I'm supposed I think to understand? So. I think that means like they don't have to hand the money over to a third party. It's theirs. And then they get to, I mean, I don't know. And I think also it's interesting the details that they do choose to share are. As you pointed, like really nitty gritty and about legal stuff and about them like not getting what they want, but they don't have any active messaging about here's what we want, here's what we're going to do, here's what we're excited about, here's our vision. They're just, I mean, it is whining. Yeah, it is. It's really rough. And then the Daily Mail had probably like 17 stories about this yeah. in each day of the weekend. Yeah. And they're all, I would say, are... Um, anti-Harry and Meghan to various degrees. Yes. One that I did think was interesting is that they pointed out that they said that there's precedent for other members of the family to have income, which was like a jab at Beatrice and Eugenie who use their titles but also work. Yes. And it's just like, do you really need to like, to take it out on the the, the duchesses of York? Like they're, like they are both, no one respects them anyway. Their father is... Well, I'm going to say really if you're going to take it out of them, why don't you point out that their father has now been linked to a second billionaire who yeah. is, like, under investigation for sexual crimes. Yeah. So, I, you know... Does it have to be the girls? Like, just go straight for Andrew. He's yeah. still around. I also just... Sussex Royal is, like, always a bad name. That's the other thing that just gets me really bad about this. I think it's, like, a pretty inert piece of branding Agreed. that they're just, like, fighting over. I think that we could have done better. I also think Kensington Royal is pretty lame. Yeah, they're both bad. But my question is, like, how are we supposed to refer to Harry and Meghan? Like, we have, like... I, I guess I'm just Harry and Meghan. Mm-hmm. Or the Duke of Duchess of Sussex. It's not like they're giving that up. Right. It's a, it's a mouthful. I don't it want, is. I don't want to say Duke and Duchess of Sussex. I also don't want to say Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. Duchess just t- is too long. It's, okay. a, it's a problem. Unless it's Fergie the Duchess. That's the only, like, and I, by that I mean um, of the Black Eyed Peas I was going to say, and not actually Fergie the <laughs> not, former wife not of... Not Sarah Ferguson. Okay. <laughs> who was, I, is, I believe, an actual Duchess. Yes, In a is. different sense. But I mean my Duchess, Fergie. Yeah. Fergalicious, that one. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, it's a lot to say. And like, what is Archie? Is Archie just going to go by Archie Mountbatten? I think so. I would go by Archie Markle. 
Okay. I think it works better. I I agree with that. Who wants the Mountbatten name? It's like a disgrace name, in my opinion. I, I kind <laughs> of agree with that, too. <laughs> this whole thing, though, like, I am tired. I'm actually, like, sick of talking about this. There's not been a lot of developments. There's not much to rally behind. It's rumored they're getting a house in Malibu. We predicted that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like everything is happening in the most predictable and cynical way possible. And it's a real bummer. Yeah. And I just think that they're losing the narrative a bit. By they, I mean Harry and Meghan. And I think, to be fair, you mentioned that the Daily Mail had like 15 to 20 stories about this, all super critical. I don't want to be seen in the Daily Mail's camp at all. Like, the Daily Mail has been completely unfair and racist to them and I like not defending them but they don't have to be participating in this part of it like they actually don't they don't need to be updating their website with like a 25 point like PowerPoint deck with a lot of language that is reiterating the like the small ball details of what they're mad about and that, I just, I don't understand that part of it. It feels like an Alexander Payne movie crossed with an Emma Thompson um, script doctoring. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I feel like we're currently living through. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, go forth. If you're going to do your speeches, like, start doing them. I don't think it's great for them to not have done anything public facing, but then also for the news of J.P. Morgan and Goldman and Stanford to be leaking out. I agree. I, you know, I think it's time for them to be active. I, I totally agree. Um, the other thing is they have like they have like all these proxies that are doing stuff for them. So her uh Megan's best friend is Jessica Mulroney, her stylist, whose styling we've questioned many times along the way. Yes, we um, <laughs> it's been rumored but then debunked that she bought up the domain sussexglobalcharities.com for them, <laughs> but then she had to de- to deny it. Um, I just want to say, when you're buying a domain, which I've done many times. I was going to say that you are an expert on domain buying. Just buy the privacy. You just buy it so people can't tell who owns it, you know? It's like a few extra dollars, but seriously, it's worth it. Um, This was purchased on February 2020, quite recently, last week. So there's just, like, a lot of questions about, like, what they're actually planning. And Sussex Global Charities is, like— That sounds like J.P. Morgan wrote it for them. It also is just like, there's nothing I hate more than a, a charitable foundation with massive overhead and little impact. And it feels like that's what we're cruising towards. There's also nothing I hate more than when people just slap the word global on something in order to prove that they're important now in 2020. It's like like the, the New York Times Magazine will just make every other issue like the global, the global something issue. issue. And you're like, oh, this is important because it's global. Like, okay. <laughs> and I will say the registrant of this um, URL is the Shoebox Project Foundation which is allegedly um, Jessica Mulroney's company. Okay. And, and it's this is in plain day and these and these URL um, lookup and these URL domain lookups and something I'm very familiar with. Got okay. tested on yourself. <laughs> and it's not great. It's just, it's not like this is bad, but just like everything is so calculated and... Well, parts of it are calculated and parts of it are also really uncalculated. I'm just kind of like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. You want to go live your life? Like, let's... Tell me about it. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Do actually interesting and impactful things. Yeah. That's what we're saying. That's what you asked for. Let, we've give, Everyone's given it to you. And everybody wants that for you. And I also, that th- I think that would go really well. And if they are going to be supporting foundations and doing charity work, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah. I would love to be talking about that instead of your bad branding. Yes. Let's go. Ugh. Very rough. Let's just let's just hit the Malibu house. Or spend. This is one of the ugliest bathrooms I've ever seen. Seven million, eight bedroom mansion. 
It's not even fucking beachfront. What's the point, guys? I understand this is probably the most private they can get. So that's that's the point. Mm-hmm. But it's like a poor rich person's version of the house Jay-Z and Beyonce camped out at when they had their kids in Malibu. Mm-hmm. It kind of does look like a castle in Malibu, but like it reminds me of Monte Carlo and Monaco. It doesn't remind me of like cool old stuff. It looks really fake. It has absolutely hideous... Um, furniture, which I suppose they could change. But like the bathroom has like, is like this dark, like club vibe circa 2005. Like I'm expecting Paris Hilton and like a line of cocaine in here. Yes. As I said, one of the ugliest bathrooms I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's really rough. It's currently owned by David Charvet and his wife, Brooke Burke. And I believe that, um, I believe David Charvet had a, like, had like a lot of high profile fights while living in this house. So perhaps that suits them well. The only thing I'll say, there is an aerial view, which, again, this is deeply invasive. Sorry. But it does seem like there's another home within yeah. viewing distance of the of this house, which, from a privacy perspective, surprises me. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they'll erect higher hedges or something okay, like but that. But it is uh, a private road with a gate, which I think is— That's nice. —would be one of the reasons for them to do this. And it has a tennis court. That's yeah. nice, too. Yep. Congrats, guys. You're you're still rich, though perhaps not as rich before. My dad was really worried about Harry and Meghan's financials. He's like, I don't think they can support themselves. What's their plan? And I was like, Dad, they're still getting that Prince Charles money. Don't they you are. worry. Yeah. They're fine. Yes. They're still getting that Prince Charles money, and they're living the Clinton existence of speaking tours. They will be just A-OK. Besides, Meghan doesn't even like that fancy of things, as we can tell. She likes the fancy lifestyle, but like, Moment to moment, she's not like, I need to wear a $5,000 shirt. I need to wear $2,000 shoes, things like that. That's true. So there's savings on wardrobe, at least. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's move on to a different feud that I'm excited to discuss. This is a really random one. Um, this, these are my questions. I would love to, do we have context? Um, I think just a little bit. Okay. So here's what happened. Gigi Hadid and Jake Paul, the brother of Logan Paul. I think that Jake is less famous, but I, to be honest, I don't completely know. They got into a fight on Twitter, or they got into a fight on Twitter, and then it um, spilled out into the pages of the tabloids all across the internet. Jake Paul has already deleted his tweet, but in it, he said, almost had to clap up Zane from One Direction because he is a little guy and has an attitude and basically told me to fuck off for no reason when I was being nice to him. Zane, I know you're reading this. Stop being angry because you came home alone to your big-ass hotel room. Ha, ha, ha. So, (laughs) context. Great question. I believe that they ran into each other at the Wilder versus Fury fight in Las Vegas. Yes. And I don't know, like, Jake Jake Paul, like, associates himself with, like, the fight community, as is his brother Logan Paul. Yes. And I think that they probably just, like, had, like, a weird fight. I don't know. That's all That's all I really got for you, Amanda. Who can explain these two? So I, that at least tells me like where they were together and there was like a physical interaction yes, of some kind. I if not an altercation. Was. I honestly, I would be surprised if they actually had a fight. No, I don't think Zayn fights. Okay. Are you familiar with Zayn at all? A little bit. If you've seen any One Direction media, you're aware that he's like, he, he was always the shy one and mm-hmm. he's not real. He's just not a fighter. I think he's like a, if I had to guess, he's a far more aloof than that. And that's why his his girlfriend, Gigi, who might be a fighter, decided to chime in instead of Zane directly. And she said, LOL, because he doesn't care to hang with you and your embarrassing crew of YouTube groupies. Home alone with his best friends like a respectful king because he has me, sweetie. I'm bothered by your irrelevant ugly ass. Go to bed. Great stuff, Gigi. I absolutely love it. 
Um, there's a lot of reasons why I love this insult. Okay, go ahead. Quote, YouTube groupies, close quote. Yeah. It's important for people like Gigi, who ha- who allegedly have a craft. I'm told she's a good model. That's her craft. Um, she takes great photographs. She's learning. She has a unique way of walking down a runway. But anyway. She photographs well. That's yes. a type of modeling. I think she's extremely beautiful. She, I do, too. She's really pretty. Um, Tyler said she was nice. Um, so there we go. Yeah. She, I like that she's distinguishing their level of fame. They're two, like, yes. skilled artisans, you know? Yeah. From the fame of Jake and Logan Paul. They're like, Jake and Logan Paul, I know they're brothers, but to me, they're one person. So I'm right. just going to refer to them as one. Okay. And... I like that she's like shading the YouTube world as being like lesser. This is very too, this is very much like in 2000, not that long ago, in like 2008, when Kim Kardashian was not allowed on the cover of Vogue. Anna Wintour was like, no, you're not famous or anything. Of course, mm-hmm. times have changed. But this happens when a new celebrity ecosystem bursts out. There has to be lines drawn between the old guard and the new guard. And so that's what Gigi was doing. She's pulling rank here. She's pulling rank here. She's just like, I'm legit famous. I'm a model. My dad is a is a law-breaking billionaire real estate mogul, and my mom had Lyme disease as chronicled on, or maybe had Lyme disease, as chronicled on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And you're just on YouTube with your YouTube groupies. And also, like, doing fights. <laughs> I also really enjoy this, yes. So I I really like that. I, and I like that it's coming from within the celebrity community itself. Me too. So we don't have to oppose it or be litigating Me too. it. Yeah. Me too. Great. Then she goes on to say, like a, quote, like a respectful king, close quote. I don't know Zayn, Zayn Malik. Yeah. Hard for me to imagine that he is like the definition of a respectful king. And here's, here's why. <laughs> Hold on. What does a respectful king mean to you? Um, Like probably someone who didn't get really famous at 16 and really rich really quickly and like doesn't, doesn't know what no means because he has more money than he ever should have at this okay. age. Great point. So a respectful king to me is like, sorry to mention it twice, but it's like Jake Lacey's character on High Fidelity. <laughs> like, just like a nice guy who goes to the climbing gym and respects your boundaries. Okay. That is not Zayn Malik. I'm okay. sorry. Okay. However, if they have a healthy relationship in which she finds him to be a respectful king, that's beautiful. That's true. Her boundaries and definitions might be different than our boundaries. Right. Because Gigi does lead a very different life from that's us. Right. That's correct. Yeah. She she also has more money at this age than yes. one ever should. Yes. So I just thought that was really funny. Okay. Then next, I really enjoyed just the use of, quote, sweetie, close quote. There's nothing, there's no better way. <laughs> I, I've learned that the the 20-something crowd loves to cut each other down on Twitter by using the term sweetie. Okay. I've, I've observed this from my my perch, <laughs> a.k.a. my office. Maybe we should just have, like, Juliette Littman's uh, 20-something anthropology <laughs> hour, where once a week you come and you just share one thing that you've observed. I think that's a great and true observation. It's like a really cutting phrase. Yeah. It's like saying... Like Han or Babe, mm-hmm. but like way worse. Yes. It's much more, guts, cuts much deeper. Then she goes on, as as we said before, unbothered by your irrelevant, ugly ass. I don't think you had to call him ugly, Gigi. Let's leave looks out of it. I well, know that you're Technically, you're she's pretty. just calling his ass ugly. That's true. I mean, I understand that the ass is standing. What is that, the literary term, when the thing stands in for the whole? Um, that's a synecdoche. Okay. Metonymy so, is when it's close to the yes, thing. Right. Thank you. So I, I understand what we're doing here, but, you know, technically speaking. I just think, Gigi, let's leave all looks out of it. And, like, you were doing so well with these insults. I don't think that you needed to really do this one. I think as a role model and as a, you know, a way to set the discourse for the youth, I agree with you. And then she says, 
go to bed. That's great. That's way better than fuck off. Go to mm-hmm. bed. I like I like it. Mm-hmm. She just sort of like end it. Yes. She is is she's condescending and she has every right to be. Yeah. And um I just really liked this. I'm here for this fight. To me, it's low stakes. To me, it's a win-win for all of us viewers. For them, it's a lose-lose because why are you guys engaging in this weird <laughs> fight? Um, but I love it. And also, other other story is Gigi and Zayn really back together. Yes. Really that was what together. was notable to me. I think the other thing that was notable to me is that this was just like, this was a, a knockout yes. to use like the fighting parlance. Like this was over. There was no response. It was just kind of like, well, Gigi has won. Yeah. Yeah, she's a, she's just kind of a winner. Yeah. Not a lot of L's out there for Gigi Hadid. Like, she's just doing her thing. Yeah, I, I think that's mostly true, yeah. She seems like a loyal friend as well. I feel like she's had the same friends and crew. She's picked up people along the way, but I feel like she hasn't really ditched anyone. I still think that Gigi Hadid watching a season of The Bachelor and responding the way that we all did to Tyler Cameron, but then just being like, you know what? I'm Gigi Hadid, and I will now use my DMs in order to affect uh, change and be who I want to be in the world. <laughs> and she did it. And I have tremendous respect. You have to make things happen for yourself. And I, she did. I respected that because I also tried, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's just like, but Gigi, land, she landed the plane. And I just don't think that you or anyone can feel bad that Gigi was like, well, I am Gigi Hadid. Clear and out so for Gigi. This is my opportunity. And then she took it. And I, I respect it. I'm proud of her. I really do too. I, I really do too. And, um, I really, I hope this, we get more. This was funny. This was great You stuff. just like don't get a harmless funny stuff like this that often. You're right. So good job. We loved it. Yeah. Um, more harmless funny stuff before we go a little darker. Joe Alwyn had a birthday over the weekend in London. Happy birthday, Joe Alwyn. Happy birthday, Joe Alwyn. He turned 29. I didn't realize that he was younger than Taylor Swift. Just a, just a little. Just a little. They're within the same. Yeah, of course. Kind of. They're hitting most of the same milestones together. That's right. That's right. I guess she's like 15 months older. It's not It's not much. She's taken to um, hiding from cameras. Now she, instead of doing things like uh, perhaps sneaking into luggage or film, like staging photo shoots for herself, paparazzi shots, she now takes the opportunity to walk across the paparazzi line, but like shrouded in something. Mm-hmm. So it's like she makes a big deal now of you're not getting pictures of me. Right. And so the latest... You know, she also... That there was a scene about that in the yes, in the documentary where she's uh, kind of purposely acknowledging it and talking about how you know this photo is not worth anything if you can't see me or I'm wearing the same thing or blah blah blah. So I right. I, I don't think it's coincidence, but continue. Agreed. This is all this is all ta- tactical mm-hmm. yeah. by her. I like it. it. Gives us something to discuss. Thanks, Taylor. Yeah. So she snuck out of the club with her boo. They're underneath an umbrella, so you can't see them. But you can see, like, and like the umbrella's not open. It's really, it's it's quite a funny image, to be honest. <laughs> it's a really funny image, and I think as a result, people have really glommed on to what you can see, which is like a Louis Vuitton bag, which yeah. which I'm not into, and then um, one of the like security guards or whomever, one of these uh, attendants who's wearing an earpiece, so he's there in an official capacity, sure. helping them get into the car. He's holding her Louis Vuitton bag, and he's also holding the books that Joe Alwyn's, or Taylor, that they, that they together have left the party with. It seems like it's his because there's also like a, a card, like a, a birthday card in, yeah. in it. And the two books that this gentleman, this official attendant is holding are the Oxford English Mini Dictionary. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Joe Alwyn working on his, on his, uh, his English. And another book by J.L. Carr called A Month in the Country. It's a Penguin classic. 
And um, <laughs> it, it kind of it kind of looks like the type of book Thomas Markle would have been honestly, reading. I was just thinking that. <laughs> it does. It has like a, a grown-up picture book quality to it. Yes, it does. And then he's also like holding a couple of other random things. Here in here in the US, it was released as a New York Review of Books classic. Wow. So it's okay. It's good stuff. The hardcover is $100. It's a real classic. It's a short spellbinding novel about a World War I veteran finding a way to re-enter and fully embrace normal life while spending the summer in an idyllic English village. I don't know what. I think you and I would both read that. I'd like to read this book. Yeah, so (laughs) if I had to guess, that is like a gift from like a nice friend. That's an earnest gift. And then the dictionary is some sort of joke gift. Yes. Like something in the dictionary is circled. I wonder if, uh, yes, Totally. I also I wonder if perhaps they could be adapting this book or something like that, or it's studying for a character. As I've said many a time, I think never on this podcast, the British are are still recovering from World War One. Mm-hmm. And as, as <laughs> where have you said that? Mostly in fights with Chris Ryan when I've tried to explain that World War Two was the natural culmination of World War One. Okay, it was Chris, kind of, Chris kind of Ryan like, doesn't believe that. No, not really. Okay. It's more complicated than that. But I just think it's sure. an extension, you know? It's not yeah, really too discreet wars. Of course. Wars, I mean, the events are... Yeah. Right. Anyway, I, I obviously thought that Sam Mendes ex- agrees. I thought that was the accepted view. This is really random, but it's just related to theories that you, like, believe really deeply. I was driving home from the grocery store yesterday. I don't know why I thought of this, but... Which grocery store? Uh, the Burbank Whole Foods. Oh, okay. I find that it's the roomiest Whole Foods in the in in my drivable area. Anyway, I I don't know what made me think about this, but so you believe in like the multiple author theory of William Shakespeare, yes, right? Absolutely. Why? What is? I just wanted to know why that was, and then I forgot to text you, and so let's do it right now on the podcast. Who gives a fuck? Let's go. I think a lot of things. Great. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what you want on a podcast. Go ahead. Uh, I think there's simply too many works to yes. be just from one man. Sure. I am not a Shakespeare scholar, though I think I would have liked to have been in a different life, perhaps in retirement. Um, There's enough variation between the different types of genre and even within genres that he writes. Sure. That it could be like the works of a few different people. Mm -hmm. So is the theory that someone wrote the comedies, another person wrote the tragedies, another person wrote the histories? I honestly don't know if that's like what the collective wisdom is, but pen names were so common and the barrier to getting published was so high back then Mm -hmm. that it just stands to reason that like this level of production from one person to be so dominant in the 16th century is just really unlikely. Okay. That all makes sense to me. I was wondering, there's not like a LRB definitive article about this that there, I should there's, read? There's no version of Cy Hirsch's okay. story about the walk-in. Okay. No, there's not. Which but, is... <laughs> which is the definitive counter-narrative of what happened with the raid on Bin Laden. Yes. Okay. Yes. Which, which, is is what another, you, which is what you were alluding to. Yes, and which you do also bring up along with uh, the the Shakespeare author theory and, I guess, World War One, England recovering from World War One. I just want to say the top read article in London Review of Books for the previous decade was Cy Hirsch on the walk-in. Mm-hmm. So just everyone check it in. Okay. Check it out. Anyway, thanks for asking, Amanda. I really, I really appreciate it. We can uh, we can check in on some other weird conspiracy theories that we both have at, at a later date. Okay. I thought that was a nice little, you know, a taste. I just also want to note, if you're interested in like different conceptions of Shakespeare, this is really random, but Sandra Newman's The Heavens has a Shakespeare tie-in. Okay. Shakespeare is a character in the book. It's okay. It's very good. Have there you read that? that? I haven't. I think you'd like I'll it. I'll put it on the list. I think it's short. It's good. You'd okay. like it. I'm also reading um, right now Playland by John Gregory Dunn. Oh. Have you read that? I haven't. I think you'd love it. I think I would too. It's in our home. It's, a, it's kind of like the big pictures novel. Yes, it is. And 
I like to think about um I like to think about creative marriages. Like obviously I've I've been mentioning PTA and Maya Rudolph. Sure, yeah. Of course, who doesn't like to think about Joan Didion and John Gregory Dunn yes. writing side by side here in Los Angeles. Uh, I really recommend it. It's a fun, rollicking, moves quickly. It's got a lot of stuff going on. So. It's on my list. So it's just I'll I'll move it up. That's it. That's okay. that's all my personal news. I thought that was great. Um, my next piece of personal news is really national news, yes, and, it's, <laughs> and it's that Ben Affleck is back, baby. But it is personal also. I did. <laughs> I believe that this piece was published on your birthday, and I did send it to you. Uh, yes, you did. And I want to say, this was light on the misery. I, I was expecting a lot worse. People were like, it's really dark and sad, and the, the Tea Time gals got into it, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy to have Ben back in a movie. I, I will be clearing my schedule to see The Way Back. I think that's the name of the movie. Yes. And um, I'll be clearing my schedule for the whole day. Don't try to contact me. Okay. March 7th. Great note. <laughs> and um, Ben Affleck is sad, but hes I, I admire how he's trying to combat his demons. Yeah, so let's give a little bit of context about this. Um, on February 18th, the uh, birthday of one Juliet Lemon. Yes. Uh, the New York Times published a, a profile, like a pretty traditional, uh, like a newspaper traditional profile of Ben Affleck by Brooks Barnes. And it confronts Ben Affleck's uh, struggle with sobriety or pursuit of sobriety, like, head on and talks about all everything that has happened in the last couple of years. And I was really surprised that this happened because I had been the way back as a movie that, as you noted, is coming out in early March. And it's been in it. Ben Affleck plays um, a high school, I believe, basketball coach yes. who is. Uh, struggling with alcoholism, I believe, or substance abuse. And then, you know, I, I I haven't seen the movie yet, but I have to assume that his love of the game and the team helps him realize something about himself. In the trailer, he's drinking a beer in the shower. Yeah. It's so upsetting. But we have all been looking at this because it definitely, we're all aware of uh, Ben Affleck's personal struggles because yes. they have been documented um, quite publicly. And like, being really shocked that he made this and wondering yeah. how you were going to talk about it because it was like so related to his personal life, but you don't really want to be weighing in on someone else's issues until they speak about them first. And I really didn't expect him to do this. Me neither. But I guess if you're making the movie, what else, what else is there to do? And if you're, if, and I guess also like, well, I don't, you know, I'm certainly not an expert on recovery, mm-hmm. but I guess confronting it is probably good. I, I really admire him. He's made so many public mistakes and had to address so many things publicly. And there's been so many phases of Ben Affleck. I mean, I'm so biased because I'm so in the tank for him. Yeah. He's like, he's the celebrity love of my life. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I admire him. I, th- I also feel so sorry for his kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he does too. And I think it's been really interesting. In addition to this piece, which is definitely just you know, in the headline. Here's the headline running on the New York Times. Ben Affleck tried to drink away the pain. Now he's trying honesty. I mean, that's, there it is. We're we're confronting the issue. But in addition to that, he also went on Good Morning America with Diane Sawyer and is just talking about how worried he is about how all this will affect his kids and what he's trying to do. And really talking about recovery yeah. and kind of how he came to the place that he is in his life and things he realized about his family and about his relationship to alcohol. And, you know, it is like a little bit 
public education as well as softening the ground for this movie. So Totally. It's been interesting over the last few years for he and his brother Casey to reference their father's alcoholism mm-hmm. more because I think for the first like 10 years of their fame that really was not a talking point but Casey pretty famously talked about it on Mark Marin during the time of the press tour for yeah. Manchester by the Sea which I is a movie I adore and it's interesting he's just like he very gradually has opened up more and more Ben Affleck and um it's interesting. He also, like, addressed the back tattoo, which is probably my favorite part of the profile. Yeah. Just, like, talking about why he lied about it, yeah. which is just, like, how often do you get a celebrity, like, acknowledging their own lie and well, joking I, and laughing about it? I think you get it every time they have uh, several movies to promote. Yeah. Which is, like, I, I mean, I, I don't mean to undercut it, but I do think this is, again, it is it is calculated. There is a reason that he is addressing these issues now. And it is in order because I think he's like contractually obligated to do some promotion. And also because I do think it's how you get people to see the movie yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, and to engage with it. And I don't think that takes away from anything that he's saying. But it, like, I don't know that this signals a new, open, candid, let me tell you about my life, Ben Affleck, all of the time. Yeah, I think that also by putting a lot out right now and answering a lot of questions that people have, he mm-hmm. can then avoid them going forward. Because he's just sort of like, this This is on the record. Like, I refer you back to this article and to this interview and yes. whatnot. Yeah. Which is, which is a good strategy. Yeah. Photographs are amazing. Ben Affleck's really hot. The, but the <laughs> photographs are just like, oh, you forgot that I was a movie star? Let me show you I'm a movie star. And and they are really, I think, in contrast in that way to the text of the piece, which is not to diminish either the photographs or the piece itself. But I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you are still Ben Affleck. I would compromise almost all of my beliefs for Ben Affleck. Okay, all right. <laughs> I would encourage you not to do that. But I mean, I love this man. Yeah. I still Google 2006 Ben Affleck all the time. Okay. Just to be like fun, fun times, fun celebrity memories. Okay. <laughs> I wish him the best. I don't wish him the well. I wish him the absolute best. I think his closet looks really nice. That's the, or maybe it's the bathroom, but I think it's I think the that closet. was the bathroom when he's sitting on the ground. Yeah. Yes. I think that. Okay. Well, really it nice. looks like a nice bathroom also. Totally. This is not his home. Do you think it's his home? I don't see Ben Affleck having like lacy curtains in his bathroom. Okay. That's a great point. Unless like his latest two young you're, girls you're right. put them up. You're right. Well, I like the image that this is this creating. Lo- this looks like the house that John Dunn and Joan Didion left behind that they decided to take pictures in. Right. The house we left behind. Coming to bookstores to you soon. <laughs> Okie dokie. Um, lastly, I just wanted to mention the Kobe Bryant memorial, which yeah. I was watching before we started taping this. It's not often that you get such a powerful scene of so many people you recognize mourning someone else that you knew as a celebrity. And um, that's what's happening today at Staples Center. I was watching um, his wife, Vanessa, pay tribute to their daughter and to him. Mm-hmm. And J-Lo's just in the front seat bawling and all these NBA players are there very somber. And there's a lot of others. There's, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's hosting it. It's a pretty unprecedented affair. Yeah. It was really tragic. I mean, for nine people to die, especially so many kids, is just overwhelmingly sad. Like, it's almost impossible to talk about it. But also, it's just sort of like a public grief and seeing people process it together. It's something that just doesn't happen that often outside of, like, a terrorist attack or a natural disaster. Like, those are the kind of tragedies we're used to seeing people process together. This is a really different one where it was just someone who was, like, super, super famous and everyone had, like, some kind of personal connection to you by way of the fact that he was on television basically for 20 years as an NBA player. Mm-hmm. And and people measure their life a little bit by, by that person and yes. their accomplishments. Yeah, I think 
the Kobe tragedy has reminded me a lot of uh, the prince death of Princess Diana. Yeah. Which I'm, I, you know, I apologize to bring everything back to Princess Diana on this podcast. But in terms of a figure who was incredibly famous and who people invested a lot of their personal emotions in and also just kind of the scale of the public grief and people processing it in real time and it being kind of unprecedented and people not really knowing what to do with it. And so I think that we'll be talking about this one for like a, a very long time. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It was, It's just a pretty powerful um, site. And Vanessa Bryant spoke really beautifully and like more or less did it without sobbing, which I can't imagine being, being able to do. So I, I admire her. I just wanted to mention it because it's such a, um, a major celebrity event. Yeah, of course. I mean, and it's a different side than what we usually talk about. Yeah. Thankfully. I mean, it is just, it's, it's horrific, terrifically sad. sad. You yeah. can't really wrap your head around it. But these are moments that do kind of illustrate how we relate to famous people in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. In addition to just like the total tragedy of it. Totally. And to all of their families still, it's so still thinking of you. I can't believe it's, it's almost a month and two days. Mm-hmm. It feels much longer. Much. It does. We were on we were in Sundance at Sundance when it happened. It's yes. just like feels like a really long time ago. It does. But yeah. Um, I think we'll end it there on this somber note of remembering Kobe and Gigi and the seven other people who died. And thanks for listening. We will be back next week on Mondays, going for the next few weeks. Yeah. Check us out. <laughs>